Now that's what I call a cold open. Well, hello, gentlemen. Um, good well, evening. Good evening. Uh, glad to have you back, Townsend. Thank you. Glad to be back. Matt, yeah. good to see you again. Yeah. Welcome to our viewers, i.e. listeners, <laughs> to episode 24 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is Bodie Bodie. This is the T-Bone, back from California. And this is Sochirio. How are you guys doing? I'm all right. Not bad. Pretty good today. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I actually um, feel pretty good for having put out the kind of effort that I put out over the last week on my bike. Yeah, I, you know what? You also look pretty good. You showed off those tan lines earlier, and they, those were some a little crisp uh, chicken cutlets you showed us. Yeah. yeah. Razor sharp. Got to keep it sharp. Rule number one. Speaking of rules, um, I was going to go for a bike ride after work today, mm. but it had rained most of the day, so the streets were wet. Yeah. Yesterday, I washed all four bikes in the house. Okay. And you only I, have four bikes. Okay, in the sorry. House? No, I, we have more than that. But I washed four bikes. I washed. Did you actually wash them in the house? No, outside. You washed them outside. Yeah. Okay. But I washed four bikes in a row. It took me a bit. Um, so I did not want to ride my bike this afternoon because I had just cleaned them. That's right. a, that's actually a rule infraction. Is that oh so that's a, this, I should ride it no matter what. I mean like. Did I lose some points today? Can you guys if you're commiserate all, with me? I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I can definitely commiserate with you. I mean, it sucks when you wash your bike and then the next time you ride it, it's raining. But if the only reason that you don't go for a ride that you <laughs> otherwise would be going on is because the weather might get your bike dirty, um, then that's a rule violation. Okay. So, yeah, instead of, instead of riding my bike, I sat home and ate a bag of chips. Uh, sorry, John. Coach John Mooney. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one. I don't know. if. I, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to entertain the counterpoint to that argument, but that's, that's, that's the point I'm making. I wash my bikes a lot, and so that happens to me a lot. You know what I mean? True. You know, you, you wash your bike, and then it rains a lot here too, right? So you just, it's one of those things. You just kind of have to, you just kind of have to deal with it. Yeah, if that bothered you, you really couldn't be a pro CX mechanic. Yeah, like, I was going to... I just washed the bike yesterday. Yeah. And you're going to ride it in the mud? Hey, Mario, careful. You're blowing the limiter on this uh, <laughs> box here. I mean, I, I got to say, if I were a pro mechanic, I don't think it would bother me because that's pretty much a major part of your job is yeah. washing bikes. Whereas my job does not entail washing anything whatsoever, um, except for like, you know, wiping some stains off my keyboard or uh you know cleaning the screens of my three monitors well the other the, the, again the counterpoint to that though is that if your job as a pro mechanic is to wash bikes it doesn't matter whether it's piss pouring rain and the bike's really muddy or it's not raining at all and the bike's just a little bit dirty you're still cleaning the bike i mean pro mechanics clean bikes all the time yes they do so um, they're they're washing the bike one way or the other, right? And they, but they you know and also to that point they have all the stuff, and they know that that's why they're pro mechanics. They have like all the gear and they know how to use it really well and they know the fastest because like if they you know those guys have like a whole team's worth of bikes to clean, you know like if you think about a stage race right, they've got to like get all that stuff 
those guys come in off the bike all the bikes come in they clean all those damn things and they've got to be like spick and span before the morning sure the guys on the pavlov ride there are four or five mechanics yeah uh, and they're washing 30 bikes every day yeah i bet they really get dishpan hands i don't know they probably actually really hate it when they're washing bikes for us because like we're not pros we're right. just like these douchebags that showed up to do this charity ride. Well, and the other thing, the other point to that is like, you're all on different gear. If you're a pro mechanic, all the gear is the same, right? It's the same derailleurs. It's the same wheels. Yeah. It's all the kit is the same. It's not like they're going to go, oh God, this guy's on these freaking tires. And this guy's, <laughs> this is the worst headset I've ever seen. And all like, you know, like they're dealing with like your schmucky rides compared to like their own the stuff that they've built up themselves you know what i mean well although pro mechanics tend to be dudes like friend of the podcast vincent g meaning awesome people who just dig doing that stuff right and i have to like walk back my earlier comment about how those guys probably you know hate <laughs> washing bikes for the douchebags that show up to do these <laughs> charity rides because i know for a fact that vince loves what he does and he loves doing it for us and uh Maybe we'll hear a little bit about that in uh, later on in this uh, episode of the podcast. Yeah, this seems like a really this is a we could really have an amazing segue to the Pavlov, but I feel like we're gonna put we're gonna yeah, let's that put that on the, the back burner. We're gonna, not well, back burner, but it's coming, but not it's that foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. There you go. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a segue. We're keep that, it pro, right? But let's not break the fourth wall. I'll give you a segue that has to do with uh, with bike washing like we've been talking about segueing mm. into our next topic which is thanks for staying with the theme yep if your feeling was you wouldn't go out and get your bike dirty after you washed it mm. then you'd never either wash and or ride your cyclocross bike because no matter what the conditions are right you wash your cross bike yeah. the first time you take it out to ride it it's gonna get fucked up true it's gonna get dirty um and you know so if if your theory was i can't ride my clean bike uh then you just wouldn't be a cross rider yeah yep or you'd never wash your cross bike there's that too and i've seen that <laughs> in, in which case it would very likely break pretty quickly and you wouldn't be riding anything anyway right I think that's my lesson to uh, to take to heart this year is to clean my bikes after each race really well. Yes. And not just like spray the bottom bracket with hose water. Yeah. For five minutes. Yeah. Because that's just gonna cause things to rust up. So after um, Boss Cross, I actually pulled my derailleur pulleys and um, re-greased some of them. And well, that might be a little bit of foreshadowing about Boss Cross. <laughs> So guys, I'm back from California. Yeah, uh, I missed a lot while I was gone, uh, and you guys are told me that uh, a few other folks were back, so to speak, this week. Yes. Uh, hmm. Guess who's back, Mister Vander Holshot. Yeah. Um, we're just gonna jump straight into Dave Ve. Yeah. We're gonna go over to Europe. Um, Dave Ve round one. I'm really confused on what this race is called. Because I looked it up, and there's oh. about 17 names <laughs> you mean, for you it. You mean the Grand Prix Mario de Klerk? 
Yes, but that's not it's a day bay bay Verzen Kragen trophy dash Hotonda Cross. Oh, Hotonda Cross. Ronsa. Ronsa. Right. Slash Klusebergen. Yeah. Slash GP Mario de Clerc. Okay, what's the name of this? What's the name of the race? I have I have no know? idea. It's and like that makes it even more confusing to find the uh, pirate feeds. Exactly. Yeah, you don't know what to like what your keyword is. Right. Anyway, uh, Matt, did you watch the race? I, uh, you know, unfortunately, I haven't watched all of the women's race because uh, it wasn't actually up yet. And I actually got to watch the Trek feed of the men's race. And I'd missed, I guess they should, they must have showed the women's race. I'm assuming. If they didn't, it was a big faux pas on their part. Foreshadowing. Well, I didn't wake up in time to try. When I woke up, the women's race is over. And I saw on Twitter that Katie Compton, 31. Right. So that's our guest who's back, number two. Yes. I mean, she was gone for a couple of races, whatever. She Well, she was there, but she either crashed out or had... Uh, yeah. But she's back. Yeah, she uh, she won. That's all, and I know that Sonic Kant DNF'd. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. What do you know anything about? I don't why? know. I uh, thought about researching that for the podcast so we could be informed. Well, the, it's the thought that counts. Yes. Right. Uh, I, but I just wanted to mention Sonic DNF'd. Um, yeah. So I did watch the men's race. So I feel like I got a lot of hot takes there. Mm. Um, Wait, the hot takes are from the races that you didn't watch, Bodie. What do you call these? Lukewarm takes. <laughs> No, Chill takes. You just call them takes when you actually watch the race. Okay. It's only a hot take if it's something you don't know anything uh, about and you're still right. passing judgment. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Well, I got some takes. First off, if you guys watch this race course, it looks really fun. It's uh, It seems to be in some giant field. Yeah. Um, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of elevation changes, really flowy, fast, downhill, uphill turns. Um, I noticed a thing that in Belgian cross, the courses are really wide. Sometimes they're like 10 yards, 20 yards wide. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, they can be, this, this course is really wide. Like you could choose, there's, there's like really one line, but you could ride. Well, not, you... not always. I mean, this one definitely had places where there were multiple lines yeah. in certain areas, but yeah. They but, usually, but it's a really worn in line generally that's a racing line, right? Yeah. But then we come over to the States and our courses are really narrow and tiny and tight when we are one of the largest, I don't know, we, have, we live in a very expansive country yes. with lots of available land, but our courses are so tight and twisty and, and, and narrow. But then in Belgium, which is, I don't know what, the size of uh, like Pontchartrain maybe? Um, yeah, it's they pretty compact. Huge, they have these huge courses. Why is that? That's, my, that's one of my takes. Yeah, and, and they're also permanent courses. Courses that are like worn in from years of use that keep getting used over and over again. I was, I've wondered about that. If those well, are I mean, you look at the cross courses. I mean, to go back a little bit to the weekend before on Brico Cross, it has that crazy double rhythm section that's yeah. like a permanent feature there, right? Yeah. That's like, that's the feature of that course. I forgot what the name of the town or, or place is, but it's the it, that was the. I'm sure if I look up in the results, I'll tell me. But do you know yeah. who's not good at the rhythm section? Who? Wow. Or Lars Vandehar. They both looked super awkward mm. in the rhythm section. And is this just a, a wavy up and down? That wavy. Sort of you've seen track, that one track before, rhythm right? Section? Sure. But they yeah. go they go over it and then they go a little section through the woods and come back and come back over it the other way. Right. Uh, so they 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 basically run over it twice. Uh, 
but uh, you know Vanderpol obviously was you know that's his uh, that's his arena right there is all of that kind of like handling skills you know anyway we're going back a little bit there but it is interesting like their courses yeah I think some of it is really wide like yeah. super wide courses but then also they still manage to be super technical in lots of ways too right it is interesting how doesn't you don't have to make a course super narrow twisty to make it technical because mm. also the wider it is the wider the turn is the faster the riders go the faster yeah. the riders go the more <sighs> technical it becomes right right and there was there was one in the ronsa mario de Klerk, uh whatever the hell we're calling it that was on sunday there was one section there um there was that left-hander into that off-camber descent, yeah. right? Yeah. That was a, no, sorry, right-hander. There's a right-hander down into that off-camber descent, which was kind of a crucial moment. And a lot of people were like slipping lower down. It kind of reminded me of that one section in Waterloo. Ooh, okay. Where some people were like slipping down to the bottom. Yep, that's it. That's the corner right there. Yeah, yeah. that's grab. the corner right there. And if you look, Vanderpol always took it high. Like, came turned early and stayed at the top. Yep, as much as possible. That's what Wout's doing right here. And Wout's taking the, that line. Well, what happened is, as the race went on, everybody else started taking that line. But earlier on, some of them were taking a much shallower entry into it, and were coming and we're ending up sliding kind of like further and further down. And it was like a tripod all the way sort of section, wasn't it? Yeah. And do you know who I did see who went took the wide line down into the barriers? was Klaus Van Turnout, Van yeah. Turnout, mm -hmm. who I didn't know was if he was still racing, but he is. Okay, interesting. Um, That's Spud's brother. No. No, there's like 17 Van Turnouts, right? Also spelled, there's like Van Turnout and Van yeah. Turnout. Van Turnout. Yeah, and, um, Klaus oh, is the older so guy. Second, second cousins. Probably, probably related. Um, uh, anyway, I, call I, didn't, call I didn't know Belgian, that he was still Belgian racing. Cousins. Um, I also got this that I'll just show you guys this screen grab. There's this guy. I don't know if that's a tuba or a zuzaphone, mm. but he's hanging out at the corner. <laughs> yeah. Is there an entire band there or just him? No, it's I think it's just, on that shot. Oh, that actually looks like an entire band. I see a, uh, <laughs> yeah. what do you call that thing that you bang? The... <laughs> a drum. <laughs> Fuck. No. That thing that tambourine? You... Is that a... a tambourine. Yeah, that, that yeah. looks like a tambourine. I actually know that looks like another brass instrument. All anyway, right. there's a band there. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. They are, they're yep. playing uh, the song Oom Pa Pa from uh, Theme from Oliver. <laughs> yeah. A very sort of uh, Belgian brass band sort of sound. Yeah, I think we did hear them. I seem to remember hearing them. I did, yeah, because there, no, there was no announcer on the feed. So Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, Lars Vanderhaar won. Um, Vanderpool attacked, but he didn't get it far. You know, he attacked from the gun. Didn't get a huge gap. Uh, Michael Van Turnout came up to him. Look, Lars took. Lars did take the whole shot. He did. He did take the whole shot, and it. Vanderpool was didn't get too far out the front. It was it was all together fairly, um, fairly soon. And I, I guess can they, we say this was the most exciting men's race we've seen so yeah, far? Definitely by far because a it wasn't Vanderpool a minute ahead of everybody. Yeah. Um, it was a real fight at the front, and it kept coming back together. Again and I and think again. that's I think that's how uh, Vanderhaar won was that he was he was gapped off the back. Mm. Um, 
and it looked like Toon Arts was trying to help him a few times. When he was in the front, he would get to the front and try to block, and both Wow and Vanderpool were like, no, get out of here. Like, because yeah. like, Vanderhaar was trying to come up from the back. He, he, yeah, he would and try and get in the mix with those two, and they were both like, no, no, we'll, no, we'll, ta- we'll take the front here. They were literally go, they would go right around him yeah. after the next turn. Um, well, I'm looking at the results here, and it looks like Vanderhaar won fairly handily, about 20 seconds over over yes. Vanderpool, and and a big a chasing group there of four. It looks like well, uh, it was big, like a it was like a heavyweight match, slug after slug after slug. They're tired. Vanderhaar attacks. They both look at each other, and he attacked. He, he attacked on the start finish straight, which was uphill, and it was a road you know road section, and he just basically like did like a you know kind of attack from behind didn't he and yep. and went off the front and they both kind of looked at each other they and did. were like yeah yeah i'm not going are you going and they oh. basically canceled each other out i almost feel like vanderpol was like i don't care about beating him i only care about beating you i could see that also he's won four in a row so he's won every single race so other than that really one. The onus is on Wow because he hasn't won yet to chase him down. Yeah, and it didn't happen. And, you know, I'm sure Vanderpool was like, whatevs, bro. Well, I have a couple hot takes. These are hot takes. I I didn't watch it. Um, And a couple hot takes, a couple points, and and some questions for you guys. Okay. Um, First hot take is that that, uh, K-Pal this year seems to be, whereas he was finishing third in every race last year seems mm-hmm. to be finishing fourth a lot this year I, is but fourth is kevin's place right uh, i thought third was third was i thought third was kevin last year yeah i can never so it might, uh, what I'm, my hot take is that it's fourth this year so far so that's that's i one, can see that one quick point that i wanted to make um question for you mm. guys yep uh was uh squeak uh wearing the camelback i doubt it <laughs> no he was not yeah, um, he had a bit of a howler, didn't he, on that one corner where they came down onto the road? He dropped his chain. He did. Yeah, he I'm, was I'm, at the front for a bit yep. in the beginning. Yep. I'm guessing he may have had a camelback on or be tempted to wear the camelback, but he got mugged by a 60 year old Belgian cyclocross fan who ripped it off of him and told him, "You cannot wear a camelback." I, I'm sure his. Was, it sounded Russian. I'm sure he had his full complement of uh, team helpers around him, and they would have like wrestled it off him even before, you know, even before he got out of the motorhome. Uh, Wait, why one. do you think he wants to wear a camelback? Oh, I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> but uh, also, I, with him, I kind of feel like he's a bit of like an Ellen Van Loy, whereas like they're gonna get a win every so often, but he generally goes like too hard at the start. And, and ends up kind of, you know, petering out because he's basically just tapped out by, by the last few laps. Maybe yeah. he thought the Camelback was the answer to that in the States. Turned out it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, last hot take is um, we had in the World Cup races uh, surprising finishes from Dan uh, Sota from Belgium, who appears to have now, in this race at least, finished well back, three-plus minutes back. Mm. Uh, as well as I don't remember who else. Oh, it was uh, Karen Van Kessel yep. that, that also did well, and 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 he finished uh, yep. pretty far back as well. So I'm wondering if I'm wondering if their performance in uh, Waterloo was uh, was a freak, or maybe if they handled the heat better. And that's uh, yeah, maybe they I like think. hot weather. Yeah, 
So guys, maybe maybe, maybe, maybe the jet lag hit them worse coming back, yeah. or you know, there's all kinds of things, isn't there? Maybe they need to come race in the states more. Yeah, maybe. How maybe about the, some of those guys are going to do better over here than they would over there? How about uh, how about the women's race? Obviously, you've alluded to the fact that Katie Compton won it, and looks like she won it solo pretty handily yeah i uh, i don't actually know I, I saw a little bit of it yeah mod mod captains uh, yeah she went hard ride. from the start yeah um i thought you... i thought ellen van loy made another flyer off the start and then faded no i'm not she sure i saw cap really captains well. was really like leading from the start and then compton bridged up to her and that from what i from I, you know i haven't seen the whole thing but then i saw compton really kind of put in big attacks and it was a power course wasn't it you needed to have a lot of power on that on that course i feel like be able to attack uphill and put down some serious watts that road section really made a big difference i think okay so what did i watch on saturday then i watched brico cross the brico cross with the whoop de woos okay the, with the rhythm section so that was saturday that wasn't last week that was... i think it was friday I think it was actually a Friday race, but we saw it on probably saw it on Saturday on our because okay. um, Ellen Van Loy went out hard, yep, rode really well, yeah, had a mechanical, yep. got caught, attacked again. She had a much better finish. I'm trying to pull. I can't pull that race up in the results because I don't know what name it is because it's got 17 different names. Um, you guys chat about it and all. I think one of the things I I love Ellen Van Loy and I love how aggressive she races. I always feel like she seems to be like her own worst enemy. You know what I mean? Where she like maybe goes a little too hard and then, but she also like forces her own mistakes because yeah. she gets pressured by what's going on behind. And sometimes she's got a big gap on everyone, but she kind of forces a mistake. And like the really, the really great riders, you know, I think you look at um, Santa Cant and when she's got that kind of gap, she just settles into that rhythm and just keeps it steady. You know, she doesn't, she's not going to, take I, I i don't she's not nervous about leading from the front and no. i think she's she doesn't feel pressured by it i think that's a, it's a really hard thing for a racer isn't it to not feel that that pressure from those trying to chase you down mm -hmm. yeah, yeah well yeah ellen van lloyd she races like she's just waiting to be caught or nervous about being caught i guess that's the point you were just making yeah i mean it's the, that that's part of the head game mistakes. isn't it it's like she has the ability but then maybe you know i don't, I don't want to be keep like bagging on her because she's awesome you know. Well, I mean, she rode. I mean, she had the mechanical, but she 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 rode really well on Saturday, um, yeah. and she got second, which is I think the highest we've seen her this year. Yep. Um, and Sonic Hunt won that race in only you know three seconds in the results, so it was it was pretty close. Um, shout out to L. Anderson who getting fifth. Yeah. At this race, which I don't know, it's called it's Baron Cross slash Mulebeke. Right slash Brico cross. Yeah. So I think Mulebeke is the town. Okay. Brico is like the sponsor. Right. Baron cross. Yeah. Bre it's the Brico series. Okay. Baron cross is probably originally whatever the name of the race is, but yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know. I'm making so, uh, so I feel like L Anderson is kind of back with that fifth place. I mean, it's not, well, she's had some good results. I think recently pretty good results. I don't know. I feel like the, when I first went to Boulder Nats, she came in second, mm -hmm. and she had a really good year. I think she won a few UCI races, and then she went to Belgium, and Belgium had these problems and some issues, and she came back, and she quit, right. and then she came, it's like, kind of
kind of some false starts the last few years, but I feel like this year she's finally like happy. She's has a good team. She's racing for in Belgium. I think she has a. That's right. She is like on there. a Belgian sponsor. Yeah. It's like something dot be is the name yeah. of the team, right? So. I feel like things are solid in her life and the results are going to start coming. And I think fifth is a good, is a good finish for her. So, so is uh, she probably like based over there for the, for the whole season? I believe so. Yeah. I don't, I don't think she cool. was over here for the world cups, but I think she'll be, yeah, she'll be in there. Okay. So, so should we move over to, should we come back to the States? Yes. What, before we go one, one very quick point I want to make, cause this is long, I know, but one thing we did see, this weekend that we haven't seen at all this year, I saw at least three mistakes from MVDP on Sunday. Like, like a, where he, where others were making mistakes in every previous race and he wasn't, this time he made three actual mistakes. And he didn't win. And he didn't win, right. So he's not, he's... He's not infallible. Yep. All right. Speaking of not infallible... Um, we had Charm City CX over here in the States, uh, C1, C2, stops two and three in the U.S. Cup CX. Yes. So if you guys have been following along, that's a seven-race series um, that awards $10,000 to the winner. And, and what's the not infallible segue? Well, Tobin Ortenblad won both days at KMC. Mm-hmm. One day one at Charm City. Yep. And then he 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 didn't you know he lost. He didn't. I don't think he even finished on the podium on Sunday. And our reigning national champion Stephen Hyde won the men's race. Right. So that's the that was and my he was segue. third the day before, right? Yeah. Behind J Pow, who was second. Behind J Pow. Yeah. Yeah. So looked like some fun racing and then a dry, hot, uh, dusty American cross race. I know these guys are probably uh, itching for some cooler weather. Um, and then in the women's field, who, Katie Keogh, would she win both days? I think she did. But she is just kind of racing out of her skin right now. Having a great season. Yeah. Really, really amazing. Um, yeah, she won Saturday. And I'm trying to pull it up real quickly. And she won Sunday. Wow. So impressive. Yeah, I mean, Kendall's got quite a team. You know, Emma White got third. I think she also got second. Emma White got second on Saturday. And she's and, still under 23, right? Yeah. Yep. And Ellen Noble got third on Saturday. So Cannondale really has a strong one two punch in the women's field. Mm -hmm. um, and with Katie Compton out of the mix over racing in Belgium. Um, opens up, you know, opens up the races for, you know, takes takes Katie Compton out of the mix, who would obviously be a favorite in a lot of those races. Yeah, and it's, I really would like to see. I mean, it's kind of a shame because you would like to see some of those uh, younger guns face Katie, you know. I mean, they've been racing her for years now, but right. it really seems that like Katie Keogh is, is, is really starting to peak and becoming really strong and coming to her own as a racer and, It'd be awesome to see her race Katie Compton more often. Yeah, well, we'll see that when uh, in the World Cups, in the World Cups, and then when Nats roll around. Yep. Uh, so yeah, should be great. great for, should be great Nats uh, this year, I think, or next in uh, what end of January, February, January, whatever. January Nats. Yes. Reno. 
what I, as I was saying, Charm City was stops two and three. Uh, uh, sorry, three and four for the U.S. Mm. Sorry, what is the U.S. Cup? It's like U.S. CX Cup or CX U.S. Cup. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's some kind the of the name is U.S. Yeah. Cup. Yeah. Anyways, U.S. Cup CX. Anyway, so it's we were almost halfway done, and, and uh, Tobin Ortenblad, Stephen Hyde, and possibly Kerry Warner are the they're one two three. Those are the guys who I think are it's at this point they're the ones who unless one of them like really falls off right um, their form one of those three is going to win that series and take over ten grand. Um, Tobin's got a fifteen point lead. Stephen has a thirty point lead over Kerry Warner. So maybe closer between Stephen and, and Tobin. I don't know. It's been pretty amazing to see. Uh, Tobin has been strong for a while, but this year. Yeah, something just—I don't know. I know something happens. You know, everything lines up. Training's right. You're you mature enough. You get the right sponsors, and man, he's just—he's just kicking ass. Yeah, he's also racing World Cup as well, isn't he? Didn't see his name in the in the World Cup start. Yeah, he's been sort of you know top American usually, or he's up there until he crashes. And yeah, um, and then in the women's side, it's. Well, it's not. It's kind of the same thing. You have the top three really are probably the ones who are in the best hunt for the money. You've got Katie Keogh, who's leading it with 15 points over Emma White, and then Emma White's 40 points over Magalie Rochette. So yeah. it might just be those um, two Cannondale ladies who, you know, like I said, something unless something really happens and drastically, you know, they'll they'll probably take it. So that's that's going to be pretty cool to watch. So we're going to Cincy. Um, two races in, I guess, Cincy, and then the last race is in uh, Louisville at the Derby Cup. And you're talking about trying to go to that, right? Yeah, I think I want to go. I'd like to um, go take some photos. I had a really good time at Trek and yep. really enjoyed that, and I would love to uh, do it again. I feel like this would be a good event because Saturday would be the finale of the U.S. Cup, and then Sunday would be Pan Am Championships. So. Well, this is a good point to uh, reach out to our friends of the podcast and say, "Hey, do we know? Do we know anybody in Louisville?" Yeah, anybody uh, want to put up a photographer uh, for maybe two nights, maybe one night, depending uh, yeah. on how I arrange my flight. I'll bring you a Yeah, you ride sticker. Well, whew. I mean that's that's quite an offer. <laughs> hey, um, I'll throw in a semi tough T shirt. Hey, <laughs> all right, Louisville fans, done and done. All right. What else is going on in the world of pro cycling, guys? Uh, well, we had the we had a bunch of races in Italy leading up to the last monument of the year. So, what happens in October in Italy is the leaves start to fall. The leaves start to fall, and, and then they have the race of the falling leaves, Il Lombardia. Il Lombardia, yeah, which is a beautiful race. Uh, always, it, uh, the weather can be changeable, but it's, it's such an amazing part of the world around Lake Como and around the, the lakes, uh, northern Italian lakes, uh, some classic. And today they had the uh, climb up to the um, the um, Capella di Gisallo, which is kind of like one of those sort of, uh, uh, what do you call it, like a pilgrimage point in cycling. The chapel is full of lots of cycling memorabilia. This is not the Madonna de Gisalo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Gisa- sorry. Like the, the Excuse my poor pronunciation. Gisalo. 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 I don't know. Giselle. Yeah. Patron saint of cycling. Yes. Just put it. Leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, and that featured. Did in the not race. realize that was today. 
that featured in the race uh, that was last Saturday. And uh, got to watch the last, I don't know, 100K or something. Well, actually, no, I got I got to watch bits and pieces and then I watched it again later at home. I actually turned it on just in time to see Lawrence de Pluse yeah. go over a barrier and I thought he was dead. He That's went, the only part of the race I saw, and I saw it as a little GIF clip on, or, yeah, a yeah. little GIF on Twitter because I was spending most of my time riding my bike that during that time. But I did see that, and uh, and you're right, that looked uh, life ending. It it looked absolutely horrific. Um, but apparently he came. Apparently three other riders did exactly the same thing and went over there thankfully he was not too banged up i think he's got maybe like some a couple of cracked bones or one broke or two. his broke his leg is the report i heard okay Wait, uh plus did yeah yes yeah oh wow but jan's pack jan bacalance his bike ended up in a tree yeah and he broke seven ribs and i think a couple some of vertebrae ver- some vertebrae yeah, yeah. he's so he he definitely came i think he came off the worst of everyone but thankfully i mean like you know, this could have been absolutely horrific. It looked so bad. Uh, because Partly because of the angle. You just didn't know how far down those guys were falling. It looked like it was, you know, just a drop to... Just a straight drop down. But I guess there was a bit of a banking de- there um, that they fell onto. So other than the uh, crash, how yes. was the race and how did it end, Matt? Uh, the race was really good. Uh, we had... Um, it was... Basically, a you know the pre-race one of the big pre-race favorites going in was of course Vincenzo Nibali, and he did not disappoint. Uh, he managed to catch uh, Thibaut Pino on uh, on a climb and then outdescend him, unsurprisingly. Yeah, uh, my hot take. Second to last climb, he catches Pino. And then drops Pino on the descent. He does, yeah. How did they? How did they let him do that? Why did the <laughs> riders let him out descend him like that? Well, well Pino is infamously. I think the, any of the three of us could maybe even out descend Thibaut Pino. Oh, I well, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't think we yeah, could. Yeah, no, uh, I doubt it also. And yeah, I, Pino, I say that a little bit hyperbolic. Pino has yes has been known to. It wasn't the bed like he was descending when, badly. No, he was going fast. I, I'm just wondering. You got, I don't know how, like, the race should not come to that. If the race is a climb and then descent to the finish, and Nibali is well, really Well, it wasn't to good. the finish. There was still another climb after that, and then back, and then down to the finish. So this was the penultimate climb, or the penultimate descent, let's say, where he But anyway, so that's a, that's a finish that sets up really well for Nibali. Yeah. Right? Like, if he gets, if you he gets to the front. You could even say it was designed. For Vincenzo Nibali to win the race. <laughs> so if he gets to the front and that penultimate climb, he's probably going to win it. Right. So other teams, what are they doing? Like, they got to, like, I, I don't know. I didn't watch all the race. Was there, an, was there another place where they could have dropped him? There were lots of possibilities and opportunities. It's a really long race. You don't know how anybody's legs are going to be. Yeah. Nibali was showing pretty good form leading up to it. Um, his... Uh, his teammate had done really well a few days before. Um, Visconti had, uh, you know, veteran Visconti had won a race and Nibali had finished second. It was probably a bit of a gift for Visconti to win it or something. I don't know. But um, he obviously, his team were looking really strong. 
they were very much in control of the pack and they looked pretty well in control of the race. So, you know, great job by them. Uh, Uran was one of the pre-race favorites. He won Milan, Milano Torino a couple of days before. So seemed like his form was good, but he did not have the legs at the end. You know, it's a, it's a monument. So it's like 250K. Yeah. You know, it's a long, long ass long race. Slog. That's yeah. a long climb in the end too. So Bodie, I don't want to yeah. be stealing your move here, but I've got a hot take on this race. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and I didn't it. watch it. Okay. Uh, my hot take is that there are a lot of climbers uh, in the top 15 here. Yeah. Uh, which would seem to suggest that it was a bit of a climber's parkour. But I look and see the podium rounded out by Julian Alaphilippe and Gianni Moscone, who sort of defy that a bit. And so my hot take is, seems to be a bit of a climber's parkour, but those two guys managed to fight their way onto the podium. I would well. Moscon just can't like just can't get himself out of the line. Like, did dang. he uh, did he have some help from a team car in this race, or did he crash out all his I competition? Did, did I don't know. Did either of you watch the Vuelta de España? Because it looked like Moscon was last man standing on a lot of climbs. That's for, true for for Sky. I the man can right. climb. Maybe he's maybe he's a bit more of a climber than I'm giving him credit for. But he's, I think he's, he's an all rounder. Right. But he's not the pure climber that, you know, Aru, Pino, Nieve, Quintana. I mean, I'm looking at the other names in the... But these aren't big mountains, too. I think they're like not... They're not like, you know, this is not like 10, 15K climbs. A lot of these climbs are like 2, 3K kind of right. climbs. And the same could be said for Alaphilippe. So for Alaphilippe, I think Alaphilippe and Muscon both fit into the ballpark for this. And they were both very aggressive in the race. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for uh, thanks for helping me out with that. And speaking, I guess, should we speak? <laughs> speaking of Muscon, sure, yeah, and more controversy, 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 controversy. Well, that's his middle name. Yeah, Gianni Controversy Muscon. Uh, sounded for a minute, Larry, like you were trying to say controversy, which is what we say over here on this side. Controversy, of the pond, Matt. You were yeah. trying though. You, you, uh, you yeah, got I'm, yourself hung up on it because I know. Uh, I just wanted to translate for our American uh, listeners. All three of them. And so anyway, yeah, he, uh, in one of those lead up races, I guess like one of the FDJ riders uh, was claiming that Muscon did a little uh, fisticuffs type action and, uh, and knocked him off his bike and knocked him out of the race. And Muscon is uh, once again, unrepentant. Adamant that he, did. so, I mean, is he a target now? Is it like you can just blame stuff on Muscon? You can blame stuff on Boo Boo Hani? You know, those sort of riders that if something happens, yeah, yeah, they're a scapegoat. Or is Muscon just a terrible person? Um, I mean, yeah, maybe. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know that he's a maybe terrible. a little bit of both. Maybe. Yeah. I think there's a bit of both going on there. He's definitely done some, well, obviously, you know, the. Uh, the racial slurs is absolutely unforgivable, really. And he has not been, he has shown no remorse really about that at all. And that's, that's terrible. And I think Sky handled that awfully. I don't think they've, they've really done, done that justice in any kind of way. Well, to quote our old male, to quote our old mayor, who is currently in jail, Muscon <laughs> is really, yeah, is really keeping the brand out there, you know? Yeah. By just, you know, 
whatever, whatever. All, all I guess attention. no news is bad news, is right? That it? Yeah, exactly. That's right. what I was going for. Yeah. So. Anyway, let's move on from us gone. All right. Did Mo- you guys watch Perry Tour? Because I did not. I did. I watched Perry Tour too. I didn't watch it either. That? Let's uh, let's not let's not uh, spend two get hours into on a ten minute no. uh, race. Sprint is race usually. Uh, did not end up in a bunch sprint. Quick step, we're all over it. Uh, fun fact: Quick step won two years ago with Matteo Trentin, which uh, won the record of the fastest race over however many kilometers or what if some like you know. Fastest race over 170k, I think, is like something, some kind of like number they have, which was ridiculous. It was another long race, like 200 plus k, and uh, he holds the record for the fastest finish over that distance. It was like close to, I think it was around 30 miles an hour, which is insane, uh, with a tailwind. But he won that two years ago. Gaviria won it last year. Lo and behold, Trenton won it this year. And his, his last race ever for Quick Step. Where's he going? He's going to Oregon Scott. Mm. Interesting, huh? He has had a fantastic last half of the season. Oh, yeah. He really has. Absolutely exceptional. He has uh, been the sprinter of July, August, and September, I would say. Well, well of se- August and August September. And September. Yeah, yeah, July, I guess, maybe yeah. not so much. And he's not really a pure sprinter, but yeah, it wasn't. It was a three man. Uh, break at the end and he he made the move he made the move Gaviria was their protected rider fell on a corner Trenton on the last climb like a little punchy kind of classics climb he was the guy on the front forcing the pace split everybody apart um, small selection that then got made even to even, even smaller selection and Terpstra comes across to him and uh, the guy from Sunweb, Danish guy, completely forgetting his name. It ends up the three of them going into the finish. And uh, basically, Trenton was going to be the fastest man in the group. Sat on the back. Soren Craig Anderson. Soren Craig Anderson. Yeah, great ride by him. But he knew, I mean, his, he was basically, he did it, everything right. He just couldn't out-sprint Trenton. So, yeah. So Quickstep has also managed to not screw things up. Uh, in the, with the opportunities that, opportunities that they have had lately, whereas no. there have where there had been times where they where they had been quick stepping things, and they have not been quick stepping them lately. Yeah, and, and this year, well. I think this year, thanks to having Phil Gill back in the squad and uh, having Trent in there, they've been you know they've had uh, some phenomenal and Alaphilippe back on form. You know they've had some phenomenal results yet again. They're always like the top one day team always. solid team yeah so guys there was also some news we were speculating about this on a previous episode of the podcast about <laughs> andrew talansky's retirement well yes uh and tragic some tragic news yeah. about andrew talansky <laughs> in that we i mean we, we i mean we had our suspicions that the most why why would he retire so young and so suddenly we didn't realize there was a wetsuit involved well in I mean, and, and not I th- the kind you use for surfing. It, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You're speechless. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I just you. Well, I mean, this is this is awful news that you know that uh, you know a, a young talent like himself, uh, top placed American, or hashtag uh, you know, top placed American in in lots of races. Lots of, and, yeah, and actually, you know, a, once the future of American cycling, once future American cycling has succumbed to. Uh, 
probably an advanced state of triathlism. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when I was out on the uh, Pavlov ride, um, I was chatting with a couple guys that had been riding with Talansky recently and just chatting with him on the bike oh, about just, things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and thought Name I was going to, thought, I, no, I thought I was going to, I'm not dropping names. I'm, I'm keeping those names, uh, keeping those names quiet, but, uh, subtle name drop. I thought I was going to have some, I thought I was going to have some deep, finally, the Yeah You Ride podcast oh, might actually be an exclusive, dro- might actually be dropping some exclusive real cycling news. Mm. Uh, but alas, the night that I was going to come home and text you guys, hey, you're never going to believe what I just heard when I was riding with this guy on the bike today. Andrew Talansky's been talking about swimming and doing yeah. triathlons, and suddenly it's on cycling news. So, yeah. I know, somebody else out scooped me on that one, but almost we were so close. Well, yeah. I mean, we really, we really like finished in Kevin's place with that one. Yeah, it was going to be our ticket to legitimacy, and and uh, it's just <laughs> snatched, snatched from us. Well, I guess I mean, you know, we don't know how advanced his state of triathlism is at this point, um, but you know, obviously, our thoughts go out to his uh, his family. Yeah, thoughts and, and prayers. Thoughts and prayers <laughs> go out, and I guess we should have seen the signs. You know, the number of times he's actually dismounted the bike during a bicycle race. That would probably have been like, you know, his socks were getting lower. His, I didn't notice yeah. that. Uh, so, you know, that, that uh, his sleeves were getting shorter. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, let's not forget as well that this can happen to anyone to, you know, even the greats. Fabian Cancellara is um, has, you know, obviously with him, uh, if you've seen his off the bike fashion sense, it we should have probably seen the signs there that there was there was something up. Being, you know, I think time trialists obviously are are uh, sure that you know they it's uh, it, it affects them uh, much harder uh, than than others, but uh, you know it's uh, always something to watch out for. Peter Sagan will never be a triathlist. No, he never will. Be a you, triathlist. you heard it here on the Yeah You Ride podcast. I, I think he's immune to triathlon. Well, happen. I mean, he's, he's been inoculated. He's, he's <laughs> won three world championships. What else does he have left? <laughs> Except to try swimming, four four and, world championships in a row, <laughs> and running. <coughs> I bet Peter's going to go out and do a. Uh... And that's not. To, but they're always there are the great stories. I mean, you know, Richie Port was cured. Well, we hope. <laughs> you never know if it's going to come back. It could be li- lying there dormant. We're not. Later. We're not. The, the jury is still out if Richie Port has been cured. Yeah, yeah. He does still swim in the off season. So what has uh, Richie Port won really though? Like really, has he won any big races? Uh, he's won more than you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not saying much. All right, all right, all right. All right. Okay, so anyway, yes. Uh, very sad news, and we'll, we'll, we will let you know of any developments. Uh, I feel like there was some good transfer news the last two weeks, but I really I can't remember it um, off the top of my head. So I kind of missed it, but all this talk about weak-ass triathlism is making me want to talk about badass boss cross. All right. All right. I'm into that. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining the Segway music. Mm. So guys, you're going to have to give me a quick race report on this, and you're going to have to tell me how it went. I have to be honest with you. You guys know how much I look forward to going out to California to do Pavlov every year. This was my fifth year in a row doing it. it. I wasn't going to miss it for anything in the world, but I have to say, super, super bummed that I had to miss Boss Cross because I was out doing Pablov. 
and I heard it was awesome, and it seemed like it was going to be awesome, and I know I missed just some some killer action, and my hat is off to those women that, that put this race on because it just uh, seemed like it was shaping up to be super cool. So tell me about it. 10 out of 10, would boss again. <laughs> I mean, it fucking rained. Like, yeah. I, I'm not one to buy into the like, oh, there's gonna be mud, we love mud for cyclocross racing, whatever. It's part of, part of the sport, it happens and doesn't, who cares. But right. it like literally, it, it rained the day of the race and it was like kind of miserable a little bit for me. And the things got really slick and I'm like, wow, this is like. Thankfully this. it rained after the juniors race, right? So yeah. the juniors had a nice dry spell, so they didn't have to mess with it. But then, yeah, it really came down. It rained for the, the, the B and the A race and then it kind of dried up for the women. So yeah. they had nice tacky conditions. Yeah. Um, but all overall, all overall? Overall? Overall. Really good race, uh, good course, um, really good food, um, killer jams, Yeah. tons of prizes. Stoke was high. Stoke was high. Just, I think Super it was. Super high a, Stoke. Great, yeah, great fans. Great uh, kickoff. Yeah, there was a. Great hand ups and heckles. And uh, at one point, Zach was handing up his baby. Wow, there was a guy. The Michael, that's the Michael Jackson hand up. Oh, yes. Blanket. Take my blanket. Um, I believe there was a gentleman named uh, Robert or RJ who was handing up all. He was handing up cash, just tons of cash. Brat bucks. Um, yeah, brat bucks. There was beer hand up. There were children. There were small children taking cash. Yeah, uh, that was pretty that, impressive. That, might be might be illegal. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, yeah, there were some kids walking away with a lot of ones they probably hadn't seen in a while. So, quick question: uh, How about the neighborhood? Any neighbors turn out? Any dude, issue with there any of that? There was a dude on a mower. Yes. With like a six pack of Miller Lite on the back of his yeah. mower, and he George came down. Jones drove over on his mower. Uh, <laughs> he was guys, if you it. don't know that story, Google George Jones lawnmower. Okay. Uh, it's a great uh, country music story there. Um. Let's, let's I'm trying so what are like let me let's get let's go over some results I mean they even yeah, let's give some people some shout outs yeah so um, speaking of you know to keep on a theme of guests who's back there was a, a last minute appearance or not I don't know maybe she signed up earlier but local legend and and, and I I'm sort of embellishing this a little bit because Liz Liz so raced one season here but yeah. she was you know, she was the only Cat 1 ranked uh, cyclocross racer in Louisiana. Anyway, she showed up and raced. Yeah. Um, Dominated the women's race when she raced uh, a couple earlier. seasons yeah, ago. Yeah, I think that she's been doctoring for a while, so her form's a little bit off, but she still put on a great show and uh, yep. uh, fairly new to cross, although she's raced for Tiffany Landry. Uh, ended up catching her, racing with for her for a bit, and then dropping her. So Tiffany mm -hmm. Landry won. Liz So came in second. Was Tiffany Landry <coughs> bike doping at all in the race? She uh, weren't riding a mountain bike? She on a mountain bike? No, she cross bike. Yeah. Okay, good, fine. Yeah. All right, yeah. good, yeah. just checking. No, totally legit. So hopefully hopefully we'll see uh, Tiffany Landry at uh, more Delta States races. Yeah. And hopefully maybe Liz will come out too. And then Emily Bissett. Um, yes. My special friend. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. <laughs> Showing you, Bodie, that you can throw a race and race the same race. That's true. And, and podium. podium. Yeah. 
uh, <laughs> kick. So yeah, doing something you've never done in hmm. the in the Bissettheimer household. She's she's pretty much taken over a top notch in the bike yeah. racer category. That's why they call him the boss. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking, of, speaking of which, uh, in the Bissettheimer household, uh, how did you do in the uh, in the A's race, buddy? I DNF'd. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, not a, not a mechanical, right? No. You just cut yourself. Just pulled yeah. yourself early. Pulled, pulled the, the ripcord. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't like the DNF. I don't. I think that might have been my first ever DNF in a cross race that wasn't a mechanical. But uh, I was exhausted and. I, it was like lap two or three. I was chasing old Ryan Gebby, and he attacked me, and I just uh, just <laughs> shut it down. So engine, let's talk, talk about the results in that race real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could have told you who was going to win this thing going into it when I saw the start list. I uh, I, uh, I actually beat Bodie. I was first to DNF in that race because uh, I DNF'd after one lap. So I would have uh, put good money on the winner of the men's race once I saw the start list. Was my would my bet have been confirmed? I would have voted uh, Spencer Ortigo to win the uh, to win the A's race. Well, you would have made a small fortune depending on how much you bet. Uh, he did win. Um, Ryan Gabbitt, uh or Ryan Gebhardt or Gibby, as you know, came in second, and Bryce Long from Pensacola came in third. Although the race wasn't quite playing out in that order, um, John Kripe and Spencer were off the front for a bit, and mm. it sounded like John Kripe was putting the hurting on Spencer, but then he flatted. Du- yeah. And had to, double flatted. Had to run to the pits. Yeah. And he had to run quite a bit to the pit to get his wheel, and uh, I passed him at that point. And so then he was probably in like last place, and I think he worked his way back up to second. Flat it again. Yeah. Had <laughs> to run to the pit again. But still finished fourth. So pretty uh his season looks uh looks good for Mr. John Kripe. How about the bees race? Any new faces in the bees race looking good? Well, we uh, see we have Bo Dennis one, we had Daniel mm. Swan in two, and Jason Nix from Pensacola in three. Uh yeah, I think uh Bo's, that was probably his Bo's second cross race. Strong road racer. Super yeah, strong. He's yeah, the Lambra, Lambra Cat 3 uh, uh, champ. Da- Daniel Swan, uh, really strong ride. I think that might have been his second or third time ever racing on a cycle. Oh, actually, his first cyclocross race ever. All right. His maybe third ride on his cross bike. Impressive. Uh, I raced track with him the, uh, the next week, and he told me that he had just built up his bike. Okay. Um, so yeah, when there's a pretty was 17 person field in the B field, so that was pretty uh pretty good turnout. And there was also a single speed field. There was three people in there who were racing single speed. It was Spencer won that, so he won the single speed and the A's. Then we had Blake Morgan and uh, Taylor Mills. That's great. Yep. Um, and uh, a good good field of kids yeah. racing as well. Good field of kids and uh, a good field of uh, newbies as well. Is that is that right? Was it did, a, yeah. Was there was race? like 16 people in the first-timers race. That's awesome. And that was a mixed field. and That's where the magic happens right there in terms of building the, uh, yes. terms of building the, the, the cross vibes. And, and we, a huge shout-out to Gus Gerand, one of the youngest riders out there who did three races. I was going to say, he did the juniors He did race. the juniors. He did the beginner's race, and he wasn't last. No. Nope. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he, he actually uh, he beat somebody who's uh, like a ultra endurance uh, cyclist. If I if I look in the results there, 
and uh, he also then did the um, the kids race. Yeah. Later on, before before the final uh, race, the women's yeah, race. Yeah, that so. kid's tough. If you guys haven't checked out uh, the Instagram video I posted of uh, of Gus chasing a grown man around the cross course, uh, you need to check that out. Dude's eight years old on a little twenty inch wheel bike. Yep. And he's shredding. And his sister is absolutely ripping it up too. Um, she, Viv. yeah, Viv. I think she won right the juniors weight race. She did. And she's been ripping it up at the uh, um, Nola Kids Cyclocross. Uh, yeah. So that's what I was gonna say. If you've got kids and you're listening to the podcast yep. and you want to have them come check something out that's real fun, uh, Google the Nola Kids Cyclocross Project. Project. Yep. They've got weekly practices. And, Every Sunday um, at four thirty, um, we had a good turnout on on uh, this Sunday. So it's, uh, it's great. So I think uh, maybe uh, Vivian is coming for Sarah's state championship medals. T Bone. I don't doubt that she is. Uh, and um, cross class. Have, have to have a little chat with Sarah about stepping her game up this year. Yep. Well, Townsend, you said you. Uh, Hated to miss Boss Cross, but you had some sort of group ride on in the West Coast. Yeah, you wanna, group ride. You want to tell us what you were up to? <laughs> yeah, I think you guys kind of know a little bit about what I was up to because I've been talking about it. But uh, I was doing a Pop Love Across America, which is a seven-day, 525-mile bike ride from San Francisco to Los Angeles to raise money for the Pop Love Foundation, which you can learn about at poplove.org. Uh, they are a pediatric cancer uh, foundation that was founded by my good friends uh, Jeff Castellaz, who's been on this podcast before, and his wife uh, Joanne Thrillkill, who is a native New Orleanian, uh, and uh, named in honor of their son Pablo, who uh, died at the age of six and from a uh, rare form of pediatric cancer, and they have made it their life's mission and the mission of the foundation to fund cutting-edge pediatric cancer research and also to help improve the lives of children and their families that are living with cancer. And as part of that, they have a program called Pavlov Shutterbugs, which puts cameras in the hands of kids that are going through cancer treatment uh, and allows them to be kids uh, and have fun taking photographs and doing an art-based sort of curriculum that results in um, the production of some beautiful photographs which are then displayed and sold at uh, gallery shows around the country and in fact we've got one coming up here in New Orleans later in October and uh, we'll get the dates on that and put a little plug in for that on the on the website but yeah fantastic ride um, literally had tailwinds 95% of the ride uh, Bluebird, beautiful blue skies uh, the entire time, with the exception of the immediate start of the ride in San Francisco, where it tends to be a little cloudy mm -hmm. just uh, right there on the coast. But once we kind of broke out of that NorCal coastal fog on day one, um, sunny skies the whole day, not a, not a drop of rain. And, and as I said, literally, uh, maybe uh, of the 525 miles, maybe... 30 or 40 miles uh, into a headwind and, and wow. otherwise yeah. tailwinds the whole way. Couldn't have been uh, better weather. And downhill too, right? Mostly downhill. Right? Because, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> well, there's about south, so yeah. it's, it's downhill. downhill. It's about 25,000 feet of climbing, uh, so there was about 25,000 <laughs> feet of downhill as well, which is uh, 
lot of fun when you spend most of your time uh, with your longest descent being off of an overpass. Yeah, how are your yeah. brake pads? Uh, brake pads are fine. Tried not to hit them too much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Were you super tucking? On those uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't super tucking. I, yeah. I tend, uh, you know, on those sort of amateur uh, fundraising rides like that. When you see the guy riding his top tube uh, in the super tuck, <laughs> you want to give uh, him a lot tend of tend to give him a little space. Yeah. yeah. So uh, how how did the uh, allied? Uh, oh man, the allied. Ride? The allied performed really, really well. It's a super comfortable bike. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming from the real racy geometry of my Scott, I have to say. You know, on some of the descents, um, the Scott is a little bit, a little bit more stable, maybe a little bit more solid on on some of the descents. Hmm. Uh, but you know, we had a few sort of cross windy descents, and it's really not fair to kind of you know judge on on something like that. Right. Uh, but it was f- really fun to ride. Um, amazing to have the the Di two electronic shifting uh, mm. for that. For that whole ride especially with the topography going up and down you know lots of lots of gear changes uh and boy it's it's uh it's nice to just tap a tap a button and have your have your derailleur move like that so I, I, overall you know so your fingers were not tired by the end of the ride fingers were not that, tired at yeah. all well you know i still have the ling- lingering sort of brokenness of my of my left wrist and, yeah. and honestly it's still a little difficult to switch from the little ring to the big ring um, on the uh, on the Serata when I ride it here in town. Thankfully, New Orleans is the kind of place where you're not really shifting from the little ring to the big ring no. much at all. Little ring not required here. That's right. So, but anyway, back to getting back to the ride, um, it was just really beautiful. Um, uh, was, was honored to receive a um, plaque for commemorating my fifth Pavlov ride. Um, which is something that, that they do. This was the ninth ride overall, yeah. and starting with the fifth anniversary ride, which was my first ride, uh, they give out uh, plaques every year for riders that have done it five years, and, and today, this year, was my, was my fifth. So I got that plaque and was very honored to get that. Um, and to that point, Townsend, so over those five years, how much, how much money have you personally raised for Pavlov, do you do you have an idea of? Uh, yeah, I have personally raised now over fifty thousand dollars over wow. those five wow. years. Golf clap. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, great job. And and uh, and that's uh, averages out and almost is exactly you know just over ten thousand dollars each of those years. One year I raised a little bit more than that, but uh, and this year uh, on the sixth day of the ride. Uh, I crossed uh, my $10,000 goal for this year. So that awesome. was fantastic. Which means, uh, coincidentally, Pavlov funds seed grants in the amount of $50,000 for these, again, the cutting-edge research um, that, that I was talking about. Um, scientists that have uh, ideas that are looking for proof of concept to get mm-hmm. larger grants from the NIH. And they fund those grants in $50,000 increments. So uh, if you do the math... Uh, over the five years I've done the ride, uh, you and Bodie and the other people that have contributed to my ride have uh, have now funded uh, a, a seed grant for what could conceivably lead to a, a cure for some pediatric cancer. So it's pretty deep when you really think yeah, about that's really cool. what it yeah. all means. Um, one of the nicest things about the ride, in fact, probably the nicest thing about the ride is the people that do this ride, uh, including friend of the podcast and a guy that 
the three of us have, have talked a lot about. You guys have never met him in person, but we all follow him on Instagram, and and I think you can just tell from his uh, social media personality that he's just a just a, a straight-up great guy. I mentioned him actually earlier in this episode on the podcast, my good friend Vince G., um, who was uh, wrenching again this year on the on the Pavlov Pavlov uh, ride, and actually uh, rode on the on the last day of the ride, so we oh, got nice. a chance to ride together. Yeah, uh, Vince and I sat down on day three or four of the ride and just chatted for a minute, um, just to talk about what's going on and give a little shout out to the Yeah You Ride podcast. You guys want to take a listen to that? I would love Let's to hear it. that. So uh, hey there, Matt and Bodie. I am in uh, Solvang, California, and uh, you'll never guess who I bumped into out here. Or you might guess who I bumped into out here because I told you that I was going to be bumping into this dude out here on the ride. I am with a friend of the podcast, Vince G. Vince, what's happening? Hanging out in Solvang, California. We're halfway through the Pavlov PAA 2017 or Pavlov Across America. Yeah, and uh, what, what are your thoughts about the, the crew this year and the ride? You've... You've basically been turning wrenches the whole time. You hadn't been doing much sag and getting out on the road with the with the guys. What uh, what are your impressions of the ride this year? It's been really fun. This ride is always fun for me, to be honest. Like I don't want to say one year is better than the other because it's it's always fun. It's it's always hard work. My job is I, I love my job to death. Um, but yeah, it's long hours. But the 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 motivation is really really easy, you know. Now, let me ask you this. How's the food been this year, Vince? Because I know that uh, from your Instagram, and we follow you back home, believe me, man, and we see that uh, you post a lot of pictures of the tasty stuff that you eat. And I think our good buddy, Sir Cheerio, had a special request that we talked to you about some kind of dim sum or some sort of, like, ride snacks that maybe your wife, Yuko, makes for you. You have any idea what he was talking about? I don't know, but I can conjure up anything you want. No, I think it was a specific, uh, a specific uh, something that you posted a photograph of, of, uh, of some special stuff that you, uh, that you have that you, uh, that you ride with occasionally that was a little bit unusual as a ride snack. As, as a ride snack for myself, some of the unusual things I've had were uh, gyoza, which are really, really easy to make. That's exactly what it was. I said dim sum. Of course, it was gyoza. Same thing. Same thing. Dim sum, gyoza, potstickers, uh, dumplings. It's all, all the same thing. Just throw a few of those in your jersey pocket, and you're good to go oh, for yeah. a ride? Usually, like, I'll cook them the night before, um, and then I'll throw them in the freezer. And then about, you know, hour and a half, two hours in the ride, they're thawed, and they're ready to eat. They just kind of cook them in your jersey pocket on the ride, huh? Well, they're, they're cooked beforehand, but then I just, I just put them in the free, freezer so they don't go bad. Then by the time they thaw, and they're, they're at... They're at the cooked state. Again. Yeah, sorry, I meant uh, warm them up warm in your up, jersey pocket. Correct, warmed up. Yeah, that would be a good snack for New Orleans because uh, they could get pretty, pretty toasty in your jersey pocket on a ride in New Orleans. Ooh, ooh. The hard part would be the soy sauce, though. Yeah. What do you, you have? Like a little special, uh, special pouch one, on one on your down tube. One bottle will be soy sauce, and one bottle will be, will be goo. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so real quick before I wrap this thing up, I'm looking at your T-shirt. You've got uh, your Team Avolo uh, uh, T-shirt on today, Vince. We've been following you and your exploits turning wrenches for uh, Avolo this year. Tell us a little bit about that and kind of how the team went this year and what your thoughts are and plans for next year and what's happening with the team. 
so our team did really well this year, we thought. We didn't really truly have a concrete target uh, result-wise because a lot of these kids are new. Our team is almost exclusively on the lower end of the U23 pro program. We have 19s, 20s, and some a few 21-year-olds. We only had two guys graduate out this year. So everybody else is very, very young. So we didn't really have a target result uh, specifically in mind. So anything we got was kind of like, wow, we're, we're, we're doing something. Gages win in Redlands, uh, bookended by uh, Jack Burke's uh, U23 jersey and best Canadian jersey and sixth overall in Alberta. They're all awesome results and everything in between. Um, so I think we hit it out of the park result-wise because we really didn't know what we were going to do. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and the, the two results that you mentioned were, were ones that we were really watching and, and pretty proud of, uh, pretty proud of the team uh, from supporting you guys from afar. Uh, all right, last question for you, Vince, before I let you get back to, to doing what you're doing. How do you like my new bike? Sick. That's it, sick. One word for you. Thanks, Vince. Love you, babe. Cheers. All right, awesome. Yeah, it's great, great to hear the voice. Yeah, the Vince is a, he's a great guy. And, man, he's not kidding when he talks about how hard those guys work. I told you, you know, 30 riders show up mm -hmm. with, with bikes, and those guys clean, tune, uh, and, and get those bikes prepped up for, for the next day, um, you know, before they eat dinner and before they do anything else. I mean, they're loading bags in and out of the trucks, and uh, it's a real labor of love for him. And Vince is a super great guy to take a few minutes to talk to me uh, while he was in the middle of all that. Very cool. Well, well man, blowing my mind with the pot stickers, the frozen pot stickers in the jersey pocket, I... Mm. I'm hungry just thinking about that right now. I cannot wait to try that. Yeah. Um, I'm now thinking about other variations like big ravioli. Ooh, sure. Would also the yeah. same kind of thing. Well, and you could do a savory pot sticker and then you could do a sweet pot sticker mm -hmm. as well with some sort of jam and, you know, cheese sort of concoction inside of it too, you know? Okay. The, All uh, right. Limitless possibilities with that. That sounds really good. Yeah. All right. Ride foods. We're going to have to keep uh, thinking about that in the future. Um, well, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Vince, if you're listening for uh, for giving us that sound uh, soundbite and uh, hashtag uh, Salad Club. Absolutely, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so you, I, I got, you got another one, right? Yeah, yeah. I had a, I had a, a, got another uh, just quick uh, on the fly interview uh, with one of the ride leaders from the uh, Pop Love Ride. Oh, oh hello. Oh, hey, oh, the Prim Show. Okay, uh, let's listen to that. So yeah, hey. Uh, Bodhi and Sercherio, this is the T-Bone here. I am in Malibu, California. We've just finished up a 525-mile ride from San Francisco down here to the L.A. area, and I'm standing here with one of our ride leaders, Chris DeMarchi, who is, uh, in addition to being an awesome guy who uh, shepherded us down the California coast this week, uh, is also a seven-time seven national, seven national champion. Uh, in a uh, variety of disciplines, road and... and uh, uh, road, um, TT, uh, Criterium, um, even Tandem. So super cool to be a part of this event as yeah. well. Hell yeah. And also, uh, maybe most impressively, uh, Chris is a two-time defending champion of the four-man race across America. Is that right? That is correct, yeah. Uh, Two-time defending champion. Actually, we skipped this 
year in June, but the prior two years we won both of those. Uh, the first year we did it, we got second place, lost by about 14 minutes. But uh, what an amazing experience, amazing team. Um, got to give a call out to the documentary that uh, just got released. Yeah, that uh, was my next question, but go ahead and go for it, man. Tell us about it, because we watched that. We got a special uh, special viewing of that uh, mid-ride in Pismo Beach. It was awesome. What? Uh, yeah, give, uh, give us a little taste of that. So last year we put together a four-man team um, and decided we were going to try to break the the record, either the land speed record or the uh, time record um, for Ram, and uh, we had a full crew um, do a documentary. Uh, it's called Four by Three Thousand. Um, we just had a red carpet a couple year, a couple weeks ago in uh, Long Beach, California, and it just entered the film festivals, and we're already getting some pretty. Uh, rave reviews on it and we're hoping that thing hits like a netflix or you know something down that path for everybody to see i i mean i'm going to share it with as many people as possible to you know it's next level cycling as far as endurance goes but it's motivating to watch and it gets just any any couch surfer you know weekend warrior on their bike more and get their kids on bikes then we've accomplished what we wanted to accomplish yeah it was super cool i really enjoyed watching it and uh, yeah we've got a, a local cycling cafe that does a movie night and maybe we can try to figure out a way to 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 get that once it gets released to get that uh, shown uh in oh, somewhere in, in new orleans yeah that's the kind of thing if you can get you know 100 people 150 people and uh we can get that movie whether they make donations to a foundation such as the one we just rode for Pavlov, um, or anything like that um, we can get people on bikes uh, and giving money to charity that's all we care about in this 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 world we live in yeah heck yeah man well look chris it was awesome riding with you quick shout out because i know you also in addition to to doing all the things that we just talked about you've also got a, a budding business uh doing some skincare, chamois cream and uh anti-chafing cream tell us a little bit about that as we close out uh thank you uh we do uh a product an anti-chafing cream and a chamois cream both uh one is called Junk Jam for the cyclist, for the surfer, around the wetsuit, for the hikers, uh, anything and everything that's anti-chafing. We got the sporting cream for you that's all natural, no chemicals, will last all day. That would be the product specifically designed for the junk, I assume. <laughs> you better believe it. And we have another product launched from popular demand called Mystic Cream, uh, mysticcare.com, and uh, that is for everything... Uh, from feminine care to soft skin, uh, around the eyes when you go to bed. Again, all natural, no chemicals. Um, be assured that when you put this on your body, you're putting clean product on. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And look, we're looking forward to maybe getting uh, getting some samples down our way in New Orleans so we can direct order that from your company here if we like it, right? Done. Coupon code, samples, movie night. I love it. Let's do it. Perfect, man. All right pleasure man really really great to make your acquaintance and look forward to doing something on awesome. the bike with you sometime soon brother thanks town be good yeah so uh junk jam mm. town did you bring me some i don't, Where I don't my sample i, I don't, don't have any yet but i'm right. out of chamois cream and have been using my lady's lady cream oh man what no. so i would like some junk jam yeah dude <laughs> ladies jam. lady cream i don't even want that i don't even know what that it's that like is. jelly for your nuts Okay. <laughs> okay.
That's the tagline he didn't pick because it's not any good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Junk Jam makes me think of Toe Jam, you know, it which makes is... makes me think the, of Jock Jams. Like, oh, which, oh, wow. That's a good thing. I want to party. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah okay. Or it makes me think of a heroin den, but whatever. <laughs> no, so he he had some on the he had some on the ride, and it is super nice. It's uh, presumably he had some in his chevy. Yeah, well, I didn't sample that part of it, but he actually had a free, he had a fresh tube that he was letting us check out. Uh, I didn't actually get a chance to use it as uh, chamois cream on the ride, but yeah. uh, kind of ran my fingers through it for a minute and <laughs> checked it out, and it seems like uh seems like good stuff so yeah. absolutely we'll get uh we'll get chris to send some stuff and his way and let me tell you guys this movie really was awesome the movie he was talking about four by three thousand it follows them from from california up to annapolis maryland where the race across america uh, right ends it starts um, in like long beach or somewhere like that uh, i think it starts in I think so. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, somewhere around there, somewhere yeah. you know, on the water in in California. And maybe is it a San relay? Diego. Is the four man a relay kind of thing? So it's like, is it one guy at a time, and they do they do it in shifts? That's right. So it's a four man team. Right, Chris. I apologize if you're listening, and I'm going to get this wrong because he explained it in great detail, and I don't want to take exactly the time to do it. But it's a four man team, and at any one time, three mm-hmm. guys at a time are riding, and one guy is resting. Oh, the three guys that are riding are doing twenty minute pulls. And then switching. Wow. Uh, and, and and there's there's also some fluctuation in that as well. There's times when you're doing a 40 minute pull because the guy's you know has just come on or just come off is doing a slightly shorter pull. But essentially, it's a four man team yeah. where one guy's always sleeping and the other three guys are are riding. And how long? Okay, so how long are they? I guess they're basically do they? I guess they take about six hours off the bike each. That's right. Like that. Yeah, the shift is uh, again might have this slightly wrong each person's shift is about 16 hours and they're rotating through so you're 16 hours on Uh, and then eight hours off but the eight hours that you're off obviously you can't just immediately go to sleep you got to eat you got to you know you got to take a shower yeah so they're saying you're lucky if you get around four hours of sleep and then it's very difficult to sleep too because you're in a moving you're in a moving rv i mean the whole caravan is moving the entire time it's not like you're sleeping in a hotel room no uh, and, uh, and these dudes finished the thing in, uh, five days and, but just some number of hours. It was under six days and Chris and, and his teammates actually beat an eight man team. Wow. They, they, they won the four man race yeah. and they beat the, they beat the, the eight man team that won. So they, their, their time was they faster, were faster than the, eight they man. were faster the, than faster the than fastest the winning eight, eight man, man team. Yeah. That's, that's so insane. they, they had the fastest time of any of the teams or obviously individuals. The wow. individual record is, is, is a good bit longer, obviously, cause you don't have, you know, yeah. help, but still it's, it's, it, it's incredible. And it's just, it's a great documentary to, to watch. So definitely get that thing screened up. Awesome. So I'm imagining that Chris spent a lot of time on the front during Pavlov. Yes, he was he's a he's a smasher and uh and he was he was uh he was giving everybody uh on the days when he was riding with the fast guys that wanted to be challenged, he was giving them all they could handle. Right. And then they mm. wrote they rotate through and sometimes Chris is the last man home riding with the slowest rider, uh averaging 13 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just you know shepherding them home so you know these guys can these guys do it all and they and they do it all with you know love in their hearts and yeah. and just a great attitude so 
it's a it's a pretty fantastic uh, position to to be a lead rider on a ride like this. So yeah, great great movie, uh, great cause, fantastic trip, and uh, happy to be home. But lots of lots of great memories from the road. And Bodie, speaking of speaking of great causes and and great cycling trips, uh, we've got some some friends that you wanted to give a shout out to that are doing a, a ride for a good cause coming up this weekend, right? Yeah, this weekend is the NOLA to Angola ride, and I was hoping to get an interview with our good friend uh, Katie Hunter-Lowry, um, but with our fake hurricane on Saturday, I just really kind of wasn't able to get over to see her, but I did want to give a shout out because their ride is happening this weekend. Uh, I think this is, they've been doing their ride for a few years now. Um, I want to say, gosh, it started in 2011. Um, but it's a pretty cool ride where they ride from New Orleans to Angola prison over a three-day ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and they what they're, they are sort of like the, the MS-150 ride or the Pavlov where the riders raise money for a charity. And their charity is a Cornerstone Bus Project, which uh, provides free rides to um, area... Gosh, I'm going to probably get this wrong, but... It's, it's, uh, my understanding is, yeah, they provide free transportation up to Angola for family members of inmates at Angola who otherwise couldn't afford to travel up there to visit their uh, family members who are incarcerated. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also, it's beyond Angola. It's sort of all around the area. Um, And so I think... Throughout the Louisiana prison system. Yeah, so, and and one of the reasons being that it's really, you know, if these folks are in... These folks are in jail, but hopefully one day they'll they'll serve their time. They'll be out of jail, and we want them to come back into society and become functioning members. And part of that is seeing your family and staying in touch with the people in the outside uh, right. world. So Cornerstone Builders Bus Project is a really awesome program too. This is a cool ride. I've I've always wanted to go on it. Unfortunately, just never had worked out with my schedule. Um, we actually have a few blog posts on Yeah You Ride where Katie has uh, shown showed pictures for us and stuff. So. They are riding this weekend. You can, if you if you want to learn more, go to nola to angola org. You can donate. Um, they, I believe, they also are having their rider send off Friday morning uh, out in front of at OPP. Okay, that's awesome. Um, yeah, around at eight o'clock. So yeah, that's just shout out to them and and good uh, for luck. The, and for those that don't know, OPP is Orleans Parish Prison. Prison. That's yes. right. Yeah. And hey guys, would you guys indulge me for a, about one minute to, to give a quick shout out to another cause? I hate to make this, you know, sort of like the the, the pause for the worthy cause part of the podcast, but Do it. just learned today uh, that uh, the driver of the Cannondale team bus, who is a guy by the name of Silvano Rastelli, who uh, was with us uh, the entire week of Pavlov Across America, driving the Cannondale Draypack team bus, supporting our ride. And Silvano's just an awesome guy. Uh, we've probably told you stories about him and the espresso machine on the Cannondale bus, or just you know seeing that big green bus when you're 70 miles into a 100-mile ride and having Silvano step out and offer you an espresso uh, means a lot to the riders, and he's just a wonderful guy. He got home to uh, NorCal uh, yesterday, uh, had just gotten home uh, into his house, uh, had gone to sleep for the night before he'd even unpacked his bags, 
uh, and was woken up in the middle of the night by the sheriff's department banging on his door telling him that his house was on fire. Oh, my God. Uh, Jeez. This is part of the big Sonoma wildfires that are happening right now. A lot of people have have lost their homes. Uh, Silvano literally got out with the bag that he had packed for the Pavlov ride, and that's it. Uh, His house was quite literally on fire as he left uh, and and is a total loss at this point. Uh, He's uh, staying with some friends in the Pavlov family, but there is a GoFundMe page uh, to help Silvano out. So if anybody is part of the Pavlov family, the larger Pavlov family that's listening to this podcast or anybody who might just be interested in uh, helping out someone who's connected to the cycling community, I'm going to ask you, Bodie, if you don't mind when we when we. Uh, put this show up if we post the link to the GoFundMe page to try to yeah. help Silvano out. He's literally lost everything, uh, and um, and so uh, that's it. I'm, I'm I'm sorry to for that moment of indulgence, but uh, well, been, we'll put that, been that kind of week. Yeah. Well, guys, um, I think we've uh, think we've talked ourselves out over here. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great to see you, missed you, and uh, happy to be sitting around talking about bikes with you again. So. Um, yeah. If uh, we want to start signing this one off, I'm going to sign off. This is the T-Bone uh, saying, uh, I know what it means to miss New Orleans. And this is Sachirio saying, uh, our podcast from two weeks ago is online now, and this one will be online now. And this is Bodie Bodie saying, tune in next week when we will bring back Tire Talk. Yes. And hey, guys, like, listen, leave a review on iTunes. Yeah. We need your love. Also. If- oh, whoa, whoa. Speaking of that, competition. We have competition. Oh, Top okay. review. Top, top review on iTunes will win this. Wait for it. Beautiful. <laughs> Best friend of the podcast, Jersey. If I could just describe what Matt is holding up right now, you guys. Wow, that's buckle, fancy. Buckle your seatbelts because this prize is not going to disappoint. Yeah. We are looking at a vintage tuxedo cycling yes. jersey. Uh, this is Full my, zip? Uh, three-quarter no, zip? Three-quarter zip. Yeah, three-quarter zip. Which is, you, can never, you can never accidentally full Schleck. Yeah. Um, with this jersey, you can only go Kirienka, which right. is perfect. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, it is uh, beautifully designed, um, lavishly tailored by one of the finest cycling tailors, uh, Primal of <laughs> Primal. It is uh, Monsieur Primal. That that jersey probably retails for around thirty nine ninety five. Wouldn't uh, you say? I mean, it, at it, least it, it, it retails for at least that. I may have got it for about fifteen. Yeah. But this will go to uh, one lucky person. It's club cut. So, you know, club cut for the club gut. And, uh, or your yeah. descender's muscle? For your descender's muscle, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, how about that for the longest sign-off in Yeah, You Ride podcast history? So yeah. we'll see you guys next week. Bye. And thank you to Vic Nett for our intro and outro music. Thanks, Vic Nett. Okay. I think we're done now.
necessarily. Hang on, I got, I got, I opened a beer and I have gum in my mouth. Here. <laughs> Just like a good dad. Townsend sticks out his hand. Yeah. Not exactly. <laughs>